verses 12 through the end of the chapter, uh, with uh, the topic this morning, title being Kingdom Ministry Priorities. Kingdom Ministry Priorities. It's said that in movies, TV shows, that there is the opening scene that is often called the kickoff scene. And in the kickoff scene, many times you are um, welcomed into and given the plot explanation, sometimes often with the introduction of some of the main characters in a scene that would set the whole direction for the movie. Now, since I'm kind of a Star Wars nerd, if you're a Star Wars nerd in any way, you probably have seen this at the beginning of all of the Star Wars movies as this text would slide up from below into space and on into oblivion. And episode four is the original Star Wars movie back in 1977. And it begins and gives you a synopsis of this is what has happened, this is what is going on, and usually there's a character or two that has been introduced in that beginning part, that kickoff scene, and then the first scene happens, and it's usually with a big starship, big spaceship, and shooting, and all kinds of stuff that gets Star Wars nerds really excited. This is... As the beginning of Jesus' ministry starts, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25, is kind of the kickoff scene for his ministry. And it helps us to see the highlights of what Jesus would be about for his earthly ministry. We see Jesus engaging in these priorities all throughout his ministry. These are priorities this morning that we will look at, four of them, that are priorities that Jesus was about and Jesus is still about in the lives of his people and in those who he is calling to himself and in the lives of his followers. They are the priorities that he is inviting us to join in with him on as well. And so this morning we want to look at these four ministry priorities and see what is Jesus doing in each of our lives potentially in those and how might he be calling us to join him in these priorities as his followers? After each priority, uh, we'll have a couple questions that you can process at the end of our time together. We'll have a, a prayer time in the Lord's presence and we'll go through those questions again, asking the Lord for even just one of those that he is saying, this is what I want you to, this is what I want to do in your life or this is how I want you to be joining me in doing this in the lives of people around you. So that's where we're going this morning. But before we launch into those priorities, we want to take a few moments just to get a little bit of background because the background of this passage will help us to understand not only this passage, but Jesus's ministry going forward as we continue to study in the book of Matthew. Jake read for us this passage and in verses 12 through 16, we begin by understanding that following the baptism and the temptation of Jesus, he begins his ministry. That's what it says in verse 12. Jesus hears that John has been put in prison. This is kind of the trigger point. This is the moment that sets Jesus' ministry off. He hears that John 
has been arrested and put in prison by Herod. And in doing that, he leaves Nazareth in verse, 15, or thir- verse 13, and he goes and lives in Capernaum. And Capernaum was on the northern shore of the lake or the Sea of Galilee, which was a large lake but called a sea, the Sea of Galilee. We're told in verse 25 that there were large crowds from all around Galilee that followed him. And one of the main reasons that scholars believe that Jesus started here is because this was the most densely populated area in the whole Middle East at the time. In that northern region of Israel, in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, Josephus was one of the rulers of that time who later became a Jewish historian that we understand lots of context and lots of background from his writings of the time of Jesus. And he recorded that there were at least 204 different municipalities in that area, which was only about a 50 square mile area, 204 municipalities, and none of them were smaller than 15,000 people. Now for us today, we may think, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of people. Even Allegheny County would have more people than was in that area. But at that time, with the population as it was, that was one of the most if not the most densely populated areas in all of the Middle East. And it is there that Jesus kicks off, there that Jesus begins his ministry. So much so that verse 25 again tells us that large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, which was uh, an area of 10 cities clumped together, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This area in the north, around the Sea of Galilee, was an area that was not particularly well-off economically. We would probably say that it was the equivalent of a a blue-collar area today, whereas the southern part of Israel was a little more wealthy, would have been a little more educated. The north was not as educated, was not as wealthy. And it was an area that had been affected heavily by Assyria and by the Greeks, as both groups came in and ravaged in their conquest, in their empire building, this area was an area that was harder hit. So much so that Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, when he says in verses 15 and 16, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea Along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. This land was a land that was deeply familiar with suffering. A land that was deeply familiar with darkness. A land that was deeply familiar with death and oppression from the Assyrians and from the Greeks as they came through, and now the Roman oppression that was there. I find it interesting that this is where Jesus started. Jesus didn't go to the place that life was easiest. He went to the place that life was hardest, that people were in the greatest despair, that people were beat down the most, that people were hurting the most, that people were in darkness the most. He went to the place where there were the most people together. That is where he started. 
And I believe it tells us something about God. God cares about all people and he will minister to people all over the place. He has a heart for lost people everywhere. He has a heart for his people everywhere. But he has a special heart as we see through the scriptures. He seems to be drawn to the places that are the hardest, where there is the greatest darkness, the most oppression, there is the greatest number of people. That is where the work of the Lord often we find it most intensely. Today, we see this as well. In a place called the 1040 window. The 1040 window is 10 degrees and 40 degrees north latitude. It's an area of northern Africa, the Middle East, over to China. It is an area where the largest amount of unreached people live. And it is the part where nearly two-thirds of our world's 8 billion people live. Think about that. About five and a quarter billion people live in that region alone of the eight billion people on planet Earth today. And of those nearly two-thirds, 5.25 billion people, 3.25 billion of them are unreached. The most unreached people in the world live in that area. It's one of the hardest areas, but it's one of the most needy areas. Certainly we need Jesus to move in our own country. Certainly we need Jesus to move in all areas of the world, and he is. But there is something about this area. And so even just as a background application, as we prepare to launch and look into these ministry priorities, may the Lord give us a heart for the people that live especially here. The video that we watched this morning live in that region. They're part of that group, which is why a few who decide to say yes to Jesus is such a big deal. The Lord loves all people, but there's something about what he is doing here, and may our heart be stirred. kingdom priorities, kingdom ministry priorities that Jesus had. Let's begin to look at them together. The first kingdom ministry priority, there are sermon notes you can fill notes in 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 your bulletins, but the first priority is this, kingdom proclamation. Kingdom proclamation. Verse 17, repent. Jesus began from that time on to preach this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near or at hand. It's a spatial thing. The kingdom of heaven is right within your reach. It's right before you. It's not a time thing. It's about a space thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here in front of you. Verse 23 says also that he preached the good news of the kingdom. Jesus picks up John's message. John had been preaching this before he was thrown into prison. Repent, for the kingdom of of heaven is here. The message that's also called the good news of the kingdom. The good news is this. As we see Jesus talk about it throughout his gospel, Matthew's gospel here, the good news can be boiled down to this. That God has made a way for entry into his kingdom. God has made a way for entry into his kingdom, and Jesus is the way. Through faith in him and his work on the cross, through the resurrection that we'll be celebrating afresh in a few weeks on Easter Resurrection Sunday, we have been brought from death 
to life. We have been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We have been brought from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. We have been brought and rescued into a new kingdom reality. Our residency has changed from one of separation to God, from God to being in his kingdom, living there now and forevermore. We sang this morning some really good news. We sang it over and over because it's one of those things that needs to get in our head. The veil is torn. The doors have flung wide. We can run in and see the glory of the Lord in the presence of the Lord. There is good news. And that good news is that God has done the work to bring the kingdom. Jesus came. Repent. Leave your old way of life. Turn from your old way. Turn from the things that you are trusting in and come into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the way to that kingdom. It's the good news, the good news of the kingdom. But there's another part of the good news of the kingdom, and that is that there is a new way of living. The kingdom has laws. The kingdom has commands. The kingdom has ethics that define how to live in it. After Easter, we will be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, which is all about what is the kingdom? What does it look like to live in the kingdom? What are the rules? What are the ways that we live? Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. If you, if you are a part of my kingdom, these are the ways that you live. These are the laws of the kingdom. These are the commands of the kingdom. And obedience is not something that is a suggestion. It is a way that we live. It is a requirement of the kingdom of God. Obedience is expected. Sometimes when we think of commands, when we think of laws, when we think of requirements, sometimes we think, oh, these are heavy. Oh, these are going to harm us. Oh, these take life from us. But instead, the ways of the kingdom bring life to us. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. He said, take my yoke, take my, my commands, take my teachings upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is a way in the kingdom to live. And Jesus says, the kingdom is at hand. Repent, enter through me, and live according to the ways of my kingdom. It's good news, good news of the kingdom. So let me ask this morning, and this, these questions will be given to us at the end, but let me ask you these questions this morning. First, are you part of the kingdom? Are you part of the kingdom? Have you come to the place in your life where you have said yes to Jesus? Have you come to the place where you know that you have been born again, that what was, in, what was spiritually dead has been brought to new life within you, that you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of light, from the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Have you been part? Have you been brought into the kingdom? And if so, are you experiencing the full life that comes by living according to the ways of the kingdom? It's an obedience question. This is what Jesus was doing in the people around him. And it's also what he wants to do in us. But there's the joining him piece. Are you, how are you proclaiming the kingdom to those who have yet to come into it? 
we'll come back to these in a moment, but be thinking and asking the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to consider this morning? The first kingdom priority is kingdom proclamation. The second is kingdom invitation. Jesus didn't just preach to get people into the kingdom. Once they were in the kingdom, he invited them to follow him. And there's four guys that at the beginning of his ministry, he calls. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're the first to follow. And when they follow, they follow radically. As fishermen, they leave their fishing boats. They leave the father behind. They leave their nets behind. They leave their life behind to come and to follow after Jesus. There was, a, first, there was a, a system in first century Israel, the rabbinical system. The rabbinical system is just a fancy word for the rabbis. And the rabbis were the teachers, some of the teachers of the people. And rabbis or teachers would invite students to come and to follow them. These students would be usually the cream of the crop. They would, these rabbis would look and many times the the, the students would come and say, can I come and follow you? Can I be your follower? Rarely did a teacher or a rabbi come to a student and say, hey, I want you to come follow me. Usually there was an application pro- process. There was, I like this rabbi. I like the way he teaches. I like the way he lives. And I want to come and follow after him. But Jesus flips the system completely upside down. And instead of people coming to ask, can I follow you? He comes and he says, you Come, follow me. See, he didn't want people just in his kingdom. He wanted people who were going to be followers, who were closely walking after him. People who would learn his understanding of the law. People who would begin to mimic the ways that he lived. People that would be changed so that their character became just as Jesus's was. Jesus was inviting them to relationship. Jesus was inviting them to come and to live and to become like him. Friends, the good news of the kingdom is that we're not just invited into a kingdom, but we're invited into a relationship with the king. The king of the kingdom, Jesus. And in relationship, we are invited to become Like him, we are invited to live according to his ways. We are invited to be as he is. This ministry priority, Jesus will call many others to come and follow him. Twelve that were particularly close, but he had larger groups of followers as well. He was regularly inviting people, come, come, follow me, live with me, be with me, come be like me. So, these questions. How are you following after Jesus and becoming more like him? And I think this part of the question is especially key. How have you become less like yourself and more like Jesus? How over the last year would you say, There has been change in my life. There's been transformation in my life. I once was like this a year ago. This is the way I was. And I can look back and praise the Lord. I see that there has been a change. I am more like Jesus in this way. Come, follow me, he says. 
And as you partner with him, how are you inviting others to follow him also? Kingdom invitation. The third priority of ministry that Jesus gets into and practices all throughout his ministry, the third is kingdom explanation. In verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Synagogues were the local places that the Jews would gather to pray, that they would gather to worship, and that they would gather to hear instruction or teaching from the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus, as he traveled all throughout Galilee, would stop and would spend time in these synagogues teaching and instructing the people in these houses of worship. Preaching declares the good news of the kingdom. It is an opportunity to change the will, to invite people, to declare good news as a, a town crier would cry out, here is the good news, here is the proclamation. Teaching is different. Teaching provides explanation. Teaching helps where there are misunderstandings for those misunderstandings to be changed and clarified. Sometimes people may hear a proclamation of something and understand it. Teaching says, what did you hear me say? Oftentimes as we go through the study of Matthew in the weeks and months to come, people will say, what do you mean by this? The disciples will say, I don't understand this. He has opportunity to explain it, to give greater clarification, to give greater, more complete information. Teaching is the opportunity to explain more deeply. This is what it looks like to live in the kingdom. Preaching challenges the will. Teaching changes the mind. The Sermon on the Mount, the parables, anytime Jesus says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like this, this is teaching. And Jesus, in his ministry, we will see, was about kingdom explanation, teaching what the kingdom is like and how to live in the kingdom. So here's the question when it comes to kingdom explanation. How are you gaining knowledge of the kingdom? And not just about the kingdom of Jesus, its king, that we would understand more who the king is. And then the question, when we join with Jesus and what he is doing, who are the people that you are teaching about the kingdom? Ministry priorities. The fourth one, kingdom proclamation, kingdom invitation, kingdom explanation, and then kingdom demonstration. Verses 23 and 24 tell us that Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom. He didn't just teach about the kingdom. He demonstrated what life in the kingdom was like. What the good news of the kingdom looks like by healing every disease and sickness among the people. When people heard about this all throughout Syria, to the north and to the west, even as far as that, people were hearing about what Jesus did and they were bringing to him those who were suffering severe pain, those who were afflicted by the demonic, those who had seizures, those who were paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. 
Friends, the demonstration of the kingdom shows what it's like when the rule and reign of God comes to the earth. Let me ask you a question. In the fullness of the kingdom in heaven, is there sin? How many say yes? How many say no? No. In the kingdom, there is no sin. Power of sin has been broken. In the kingdom, the effects of sin on the physical body and on the spirit in physical disease and sickness. In heaven, is there any physical disease in bodies? Anybody say yes? How many say no? No. In the kingdom, in heaven, in its fullness, does Satan have any influence over anyone or anything? Anyone, everyone say no? No. He doesn't. See, the kingdom, when Jesus came and brought the kingdom, he not only proclaimed, come, he not only invited, he not only explained, but he demonstrated this is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. We believe that Jesus still does this today. As life was in the garden, it will be fully once again. But there are times and places and lives and situations where the kingdom of God will break in and where lives will be transformed and the healing power of Jesus will be demonstrated. His power over sin, his power over sickness, his power over Satan, his power over hopelessness, his power over despair, his power over fear, his power over sin holding lives captive, the kingdom displayed. And friends, Jesus still does it today. So often we get really good at proclaiming and maybe inviting and explaining, but how often do we see sicknesses healed, bodies healed? How often do we see lies confronted with truth and broken? How often do we see people delivered from the power of the evil one? How often do we see inner wounds healed? The sadnesses, the woundings, the fears. How often do we see Jesus meet people there? Jesus wants to do that. And the more we enter into his presence, the more he does it. And so I ask you today, what in your life needs the healing power of Jesus? Is it sickness or disease? Is it a healing of the soul? Is it deliverance from sin or deliverance from the enemy? And how might you be demonstrating the kingdom to others? These are the priorities of Jesus as we will go through this study of Matthew, particularly until it gets to the time when he moves towards suffering and moves towards the cross, you will see him consistently do these things. You will see him consistently proclaim, the kingdom of God is near, come. Come, follow me, invitation. This is what the kingdom is like, teaching and demonstrating. This is what happens when the kingdom touches a life. And these are the things that he wants to do in each of us. And these are the things that he is inviting us to join him in doing in the lives of people 
around us. You know, it's been argued that highly successful people really only do a few things. They may be very busy, but they really only do a few things. But the few things that they do, they do really, really well. Jesus' ministry is an example of this. He was effective in ministry, not because he did a lot of things, and certainly he did a lot of things. John says that if there were books to fill all the things that Jesus did in his three years of ministry, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the whole world to contain it. He did a lot of things, but he really only did four things. Proclaim the kingdom. Invited people, come follow me explained and taught this is what the kingdom is like and demonstrated the kingdom by ministering to people, body, soul, and spirit. And it's the same thing that he is still doing today. And it's the same thing that he's inviting us to join him in doing today as well. So we want to take a few moments before the worship team will come to lead us in a closing time of of worship for the Holy Spirit to put a finger on, this is what I am bringing to you. It may be, this is what Jesus is wanting to do in your life today. Or it may be, Jesus is calling you to join him in doing this. On mission, in ministry to the life of people. I'm gonna go through those questions again. And the goal is not to get an answer to every question. It's Holy Spirit, would you make one of these questions just scream to me? Would you help me to know what is the thing that you want to do in my life from these priorities today? And so, Holy Spirit, we do believe that you are able to do that. And Jesus, we do believe that you are still doing these kingdom ministry priorities today. And we thank you that you are inviting us to join you in these kingdom ministry priorities today. So Holy Spirit, even as I would read these questions of processing again, would you bring one to our attention? And would you begin to do the work in us? And so listen to the Spirit's prompting in any of these questions. Are you part of the kingdom? Have you left the kingdom of darkness, come into the kingdom of light? Are you born spiritually again from heaven? If so, are you experiencing the full life that comes by living according to the ways of the kingdom, by obeying the laws, the commands, the ethics of the kingdom. The joining with Jesus question, how are you proclaiming the kingdom? It's kingdom proclamation. The questions of kingdom invitation, how are you following after Jesus and becoming more like him? How have you become less like yourself and more like Jesus? 
the joining him. Are you inviting and how are you inviting others to follow him? The kingdom explanation or teaching, how are you gaining knowledge of the kingdom and of Jesus its king? Joining him in this, who are you teaching about the kingdom? And regarding kingdom demonstration, what in your life needs the healing power of Jesus? Is it sickness or disease? Healing of the soul? Deliverance from sin? Or deliverance from the enemy? And in joining him in kingdom demonstration, how are you demonstrating the kingdom to others? So Father, we simply take this moment and we ask you, what is your will in this? We sang this morning, Jesus is in this room. And we believe, Jesus, you are in this room with us. You are moving among us. You are near and personal. How are you inviting us? What do you want to do? As we worship this morning, we declare, as we sing this song, that what Jesus says, that what the Father says, it is so. And so give us grace to believe these things. Give us obedient hearts. Do your good work in us. In your name, Jesus, I pray. As we would worship in this closing song, if the Lord is leading...
as we would worship in this closing song, if the Lord is leading, speaking to you in, these, in one of these areas and you just want someone to pray with you, sometimes these things, especially when it comes to Jesus doing it in us, there is often the opportunity to be prayed for, to allow Jesus to minister. It's how the body operates. And so if you would want prayer this morning over any of these areas, I invite you to come forward and we would love to pray with you for what Jesus wants to do in your life. Say
So if in that prayer time, the Lord spoke to you, this is what I want to do in your life, or this is what I'm inviting you to join me in, in these kingdom ministry priorities. Know that if he has spoken to you, it is so. There may be some things you have to contend for, to pray for, to wait for, to step out for. but it is so. And so there would be time for prayer here. But as you go, seal the word of the Lord to your hearts. For the enemy would want to steal it. But in the name of Jesus, we seal the word of the Lord to your hearts that it would produce fruit. 30, 60, even 100 fold. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you. And may the Lord give you his perfect peace. Go in that peace. Go in his name. Amen.